in the midst of the madness. Happy New Year. From the Urban Guru Cafe team. I awake to find no peace of mind I said how do you live As a fugitive Down here where I cannot see so clear I said what do I know Show me the right way to go Like it strong? Uh, yeah, strong is good. I'll make a proper pop. <laughs> Welcome to the Urban Guru Cafe. This week, Aretti speaks with Randall Friend. So right now, just what is, just this, this right here and now, when all the meaning has gone from the words, when all the words are inert, there is no meaning, then the instant that we touch this with a concept, we've created the world. We've instantly created the world. So there's a lamp. I just touched what is with a label. And saying there's a lamp, I've automatically created the table, the room, the walls, the space, time, the universe. I've instantly created all of that by differentiating the lamp, by giving it a name, giving it a label, because then it's a thing then it is a separate thing. Is there a purpose to life? purpose to life that's not a very good question <laughs> <laughs> the answer oh. is no okay and yes and maybe okay let's go through the no first of all why no <laughs> <laughs> well because we have no way to say anything about it we have no way to capture meaning or purpose the instant that we try to capture it it's already false because we're only doing so in words and concepts we're only ever defining meaning within that basket of concepts that we've been given, that we've learned. So we're always trying to fit it within our mold of reality. So what's meaningful to you is meaningless to me. And you might have a purpose, but that purpose to me might be meaningless. So really, what is the purpose of the universe? What is the meaning of the universe? It's nonsense question. 
it means nothing. The universe has no meaning or purpose. Okay, and then yes, why does it have purpose? It's completely meaningful from the mind's perspective. And that's always shifting, always changing. It's always from a perspective. It's always from a point of view. Meaning is absolutely from a point of view every time. It can't be any other way. The universe itself has no meaning. What is the meaning of the universe? What is the purpose of the universe? It seems that meaning can only be what is placed in the mind, ever. So in order to speak of that, we must go into concepts every time. That's just like you know that you are. You know that you are. That's undeniable. That doesn't require a concept. That doesn't require meaning or purpose. The instant that we go to apply meaning or purpose to it, we've already gone into concepts. The instant we try to describe anything, we must use our template of duality or thingness to even begin to talk about meaning. So the instant a thought comes, it's already false. It's already false. This idea of thingness and oneness but heads, they're in direct conflict because we've taken reality we made up of independent things each thing has its own separate existence so if i talk about a chair then i automatically create the world i automatically create the universe because there must be all that is not chair to define a chair must be everything that is not chair i've automatically created the world in concept by the thought chair they say in the beginning was the word and the word was God. For there to be God, there must be that which is not God. And that is the world. So when we've made a God, we've made God a thing, then we have isolated and separated God from the world. Then there's a God, then there's a world, and there's this independent existence which came into being, goes for a while, and then goes out of being. And that's limitation. That's bondage. So it is that very concept of thingness which is duality you know that you are that's undeniable yet the mind uses that template of thingness or duality upon that knowledge of self that pure knowledge of existence which is not a thing the mind can only translate in terms of things so it takes that i amness as a thing a thing among things one small thing among a vast infinite amount of things therefore there is isolation and limitation so that pure essence or existence or I amness is what's being pointed to but it's not a thing it's not a thing among things it is the only thing if we can say you are that's all you can say but you know that you are you cannot negate that but to try to describe it, to try to talk about it, to try to define it, the who, what, when, where, how, why, it's all thingness. It's all an attempt by the mind to place a border around that which you are. And in doing so, it must create the world as not I.
It's really funny, you know, because whenever I used to hear, you know, you and Bob and Gilbert and everyone talking about this stuff and talking about, you know, the I amness or that cognizing emptiness, I had a sort of a sense of it, you know, like there was a sensing of it, but it's not even yeah. that, is it? It's not even a no. sensing of that. The sensing comes within that. Yeah. That what you are is already there, fully present and shining, always there. And then that sense comes in. The sense comes in and it goes. Everything is like that. In applying that template of thingness to the patterning or the sensations, or the, even calling them sensations and perceptions, is still using that template of duality. We don't even know that. That's still the mind's functioning in terms of thingness. I call it a sensation. I don't really know that in the same way that I know that I am. I only can say that this is. That's all I can say. This right here is. It just is. That isness is. I think it's important to talk to about how it's not something that can be seen. Like, for example, when I described that thing when, you know, I used to think I was in it when I was sensing this sense of openness and spaciousness, you know, this kind of expansiveness. But like you say, that was a sense. When that sense sort of wasn't there anymore, I think that I wasn't clear anymore. Yes, that's placing a condition on the mind or placing a condition on experience. So it must be a certain way or else it's only an intellectual understanding, or else I'm not clear on it anymore, or else I had it and I lost it. There's always a condition. Maybe it's a certain thought or a certain feeling or a certain experience, and then that comes, and then, oh, it, there's clarity. And then when it goes, then there's no clarity. So there's always a condition placed on experience, but that which is knowing that experience is what's being pointed to. That presence is what's being pointed to. So we just look at the world. The world is there. The world is. So it's not like it's an illusion. It's not like it's a magician's trick. We could say the world is, but the world is not. There are times when the world is not. Yet you do not come and go in this way. You are aware of the world. Whatever it might be conceptualized as, it's irrelevant. The world is, you are. The world is not, you still are. And as to that point, too, about not being able to see it, <laughs> that's such a confusing thing for the mind because it's so accustomed to objectifying everything. The mirror can't see itself. Just take a look. The body is there. How do you know? You know because you are aware of it. It appears to you. The sensations... And the perceptions, which we call body, once again, that's thingness, taking that to be a separate thing. We call it body, but it appears to you. And what you are is not appearing, yet is objectifying the body. And the same with thoughts. The thoughts are known, and that's very clear because we've described thoughts, talk about them. There's clarity or confusion, anger. These are all thoughts. So you very well know thoughts, and how do you know them if you're not aware of them? So something remains aware of thought, and that something 
that is aware of thought does not come and go with thought. It does not come in with thoughts and leave with thoughts. It doesn't start when the thought starts and leave when the thought leaves. It's there to witness the beginning of the thought and the end of the thought, and then the beginning of the next thought and the end of the thought. It's always there, yet it's not objectified. Thought is objectified, but that awareness is not objectified. If it was objectified, then there would need to be another awareness beyond it to objectify it. So it can never appear. It's not that we just don't see it or we can't find it or we're missing it. It can't appear because it is the subjectivity. It is the purely subjective witnessing or cognizing of whatever comes and goes. It's impossible for it to appear. It cannot appear. Yet it's ever there. It's undeniably there. And in that we see that it's presence. Presence of knowing. And then we take a look at that. So we may see that that which you are is the knowing that you've never left, that's never been absent. What would know the absence? What would know the absence? So it's always there. Even in deep sleep, it's there. Knowing the coming of the dream, the passing of the dream. Knowing the coming of consciousness. Even in the deep sleep state, it's there. If there's a loud knock on the door, then consciousness stirs or mind stirs. So that presence is always there. That pure presence is always there. But we take a look at that. That's awareness. We call it awareness. But once again, we apply that template of thingness to it. Mm. Must be a thing. If it's a thing, it must be limited. Mm. But is it limited? Yeah, and if we can call it a name, we've kind of turned it into an object that the mind will then try to look at. Yes, exactly. So we take a look at awareness. Is it limited? Is it actually limited? So we look out. What's in front of you? A computer screen. How far is that computer screen from awareness right now? How far is it from awareness? And if we say it's three feet, then we have measured that in terms of space. Now, how far is space from awareness right now? If we say that there is a space between space and awareness then that space is necessarily still in awareness. So how far is that space from awareness? So we can't ever define space. Therefore, we may notice that space is awareness. We can't differentiate the space from awareness. If we had to take hold of awareness, we can only take hold of the content of awareness. We can only take hold of the reflection.
And, you know, Randall, another thing that I think has been really valuable is that investigation and trying to see if there is a centre there. Where is this I that you believe that you are? I remember when Bob used to say that, it was a bit confusing what it was exactly that I was meant to be doing, you know. Yes. How yeah. it is that we actually look back and see, and it seems to have been an invaluable thing to do, to just keep every time this I kept arising, just to examine it. Well, if it can arise, then can it be reality? What knows that it came and went? Well, what we really mean by I is that sense of being, that sense of existence. That's what we really mean when we say I. That's what the real reference for I is. That's already known. So we're trying to discard the I or discard the me, see through the me. And it's very confusing because that I is intimately known. We can't negate it because it's always there. But I is taken to be an individual, an independent entity, and that is false. That is still the mind's template of duality or thingness. So that if the I is a thing, then there must be all that is not I, and that's isolation. That's limitation. That's being a small, insignificant, temporary thing, and that's our feeling. That's our feeling of limitation. But the I refers to something which is undeniable, and that is that present sense of being or existence, which is the same thing as that sense of knowing, that present knowing, which is that subjectivity, which is found to be limitless. But the instant we start questioning it, the game is up. Because this illusion, we may call illusion, delusion, this false idea of reality, is entirely dependent upon the belief that I am an individual. Because everything is dependent on that. Everything from there is dependent on that sense of an individual entity. It's dependent on it. There can't be anything else without that I. There can't be God. There can't be the universe. There can't be the computer screen without that sense of an individual I. Every other thing is dependent on that. And the Sargadatta said that the seed of duality is I am. I am a thing. I am this or that. The seed of duality. The instant we've taken I am, that knowledge of existence, the undeniable knowledge of existence, instant that we've taken that in terms of the mind, terms of things, the world comes into creation. The world is created in concept as the opposite of I, as the opposite of I am. When all the dark clouds roll away Yeah, the sun begins to shine I see my freedom from across the way And it comes right in on time Nisargadatta says that I am beyond consciousness. Yes. Well, take a look. Do you know consciousness? Do you know of it? You know the absence of consciousness. We call that deep sleep. And then dreams come in. That's consciousness. And in that consciousness, there's the world. So we could say that consciousness is the 
appearance and you are that which knows the appearance. So you are that which knows consciousness. Consciousness fades again, comes back. We call it the waking state. Once again, you know the arrival of consciousness. Very clearly you know that. Every day you know that. You know it comes and you know it goes, without a doubt. So you know consciousness. And in consciousness comes that sensation we call the body, comes the sensation we call thought, comes the sensation we call the world, or the perceptions we call the world. Consciousness is required for all of that. Yet you know even the arrival and departure of consciousness. And you know that. It's already known. It's not something that's found. We don't go somewhere, sit in the cave for 20 years to know that consciousness comes and goes. We already know it. We just don't notice that. It's not pointed out. And that consciousness is required for that conceptual thingness. We might say consciousness is mind. Can we differentiate the two? Can we ever differentiate mind from consciousness? So it's mind that sleeps. You do not sleep. Mind sleeps. The conceptualization sleeps. It's obvious direct experience. Mind sleeps. The mind sleeps. It stirs. And in that stirring, a world comes. And we call it a dream. There is no way to differentiate the dream from the waking state. In fact, there comes experiences that are so bizarre, we sometimes ask, am I dreaming? Because we can't really differentiate the two. When the dream is happening, we don't know the difference. The dream is consciousness. What part of the dream is not consciousness? And what part of the waking state right now is not in consciousness? And this will pass. Every bit of it will pass. We might call it the totality of appearance. Right now, this will pass. And you know that it will pass. You see it come and go. You, that which remains. So every movement, every feeling, every sensation, every perception, which is pretty much encompasses everything, is gone. define the seeing and then we define consciousness and then we define the mind and then we define the body you know absolutely they're all separate that's the only way the mind can do it but can we ever differentiate that consciousness from that which knows consciousness can we ever separate the reflection from the mirror there is no distance between consciousness and awareness except in concepts, except in trying to define them, which is always problematic. We never can do it. 
it's only a pointer. It's only saying something remains, pure being remains as the appearance comes and goes. So the appearance cannot be what you are. And that, if it's open to, that has the effect of really ripping the rug out from underneath that idea that I'm an individual self. Because everything I know about myself is gone. And all that remains is pure being. Pure, untouched being. Now, just like the ocean, the waves can come and go. The waves come, sometimes they're big, sometimes they're small. But if you touch a wave, you touch the water. The wave is not separate from water. The ocean of consciousness comes as waves, but it never separates itself from that. It's always that. It's always just this. And we say that, it's just that, because it's trying to eliminate thingness. It's trying to eliminate duality. You are that. That is the closest we can get. You are that. Just that. The instant we go any farther, we've already conceptualized it. In fact, you are that is still even a concept. It doesn't even have to be said. You are. You are without saying you are. And that's as far as we can ever go. If when we, we touch what is with a label. So right now, just what is. Just this right here and now. When all the meaning has gone from the words, when all the words are inert, and there is no meaning, then the instant that we touch this with a concept, we've created the world. We've instantly created the world. So there's a lamp. I just touched what is with a label. And saying there's a lamp, I've automatically created the table, the room, the walls, the space, time, the universe. I've instantly created all of that by differentiating the lamp, by giving it a name, giving it a label. Because then it's a thing. Then it is a separate thing. You've been listening to yet another of the increasing number of programs on the subject of non-duality from the Urban Guru Cafe. Cafe is produced in Australia. Do you like it strong? Um, yeah, strong is good.